Hi, and welcome to Reverse Sequels. My name is Ellie, and with me, as always, is... Patrick. And on today's podcast, we are talking about Now You See Me Too. Now You See Me Too is a movie about a group of magicians called the Horsemen who actually work for a mysterious organization called the Eye and are out to expose evil corporations in the world, I think. I don't know. But then some of these evil corporations get the drop on them and I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to... Describe. It's like a heist I, movie, but there's no heist. There's magic. There's this is twists. like Ocean's Eleven meets Hackers meets Magic. Hackers, the movie with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yeah. I oh, I have a lot of things to say about this movie. <laughs> First of all, I can't believe that it's only been a couple of weeks, and here we are again faced with a movie that poses the question, science or magic? There's science mixed in, there's magic, there's hacking, there's technology, there's heisting, but like you said, with no heist. One thing I will say, right from the start, I think they missed a great opportunity to spell the two as T-O-O, you know how, like, Look Who's Talking, the sequel was Look Who's Talking 2? This could have been Now You See Me 2. Like, you also see me. I, think, I really think they dropped the ball there. <laughs> you my, know what? That's I, my number one complaint with the movie. Uh, that's your number one complaint? <laughs> what I think is interesting is now I, we can successfully see this after we've done so many of these episodes. Here is yet another sequel with a dead parent. And we thought the whole time that he was going to come back to life. We thought that that was going to be a trick. No, he is still dead. Yeah, dead dad, not dead mom. I know. So that was a little different. They played a lot with that, though. I like this movie. They played a lot with gender. The horse men end up having a woman in it. Yeah, there's also the part where they're trying to like fill these roles, and they think that the woman is supposed to be like a bimbo. And she complains about it. She's like, oh, I guess I'll be playing the bimbo. But then it turns out she's actually supposed to be a doctor. And Right. So they have the doctor and the floozy, and they assume the roles. So there was a lot of playing with that. Um, so it makes sense that it's a dead dad this time instead of like a dead wife. But true. the movie opens New Jersey, 1984. We immediately are thrust into the world of magic and this weird, bizarre cast of characters celebrities galore so many celebrities like it was almost like a magic trick because they kept having the reveal of another celebrity yes. so it starts off like whoa it's morgan freeman what a reveal and then yes. later on whoa daniel radcliffe whoa it's michael Caine. everybody and so morgan freeman is the first one we see he plays thaddeus bradley he's a magic debunker it's his official title which i love, I love it. it he's on the news he's I- trying to debunk a trick that's about to take place so there's this magician lionel shrike who's uh, you know, apparently this famous magician, and he's going to basically be in a safe that gets like thrown off a bridge into a river, and he's going to escape from the safe. But as we see in the flashback, he's not able to escape. Well, here's let me get back to this flashback. Point number one: we get Lionel Shrike. He's setting it up. We get Thaddeus Bradley, played by Morgan Freeman. Then this young boy runs through the crowd of people, and um, the dad Lionel goes, "You made it." 
Where? Who was watching the sun? How did he make it to his dad's big magic show? How did he cut in the he? line and nobody stopped him? What? This was the early 80s. Kids had their own lives back then. They like, you could be did. a 10-year-old kid. You're just out all day. Your parents didn't know where you were. I don't know what's going on. And then I thought it was so weird because after the trick, after the father dies, they do a cutaway, so it leaves a little bit of mystery. We're immediately faced with Jesse Eisenberg. So for half of the beginning of this movie, I thought Jesse Eisenberg was the son. I know, I did too. Until there was another reveal that no, the real son is actually played by Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. So I like this movie that they give us, after this flashback, they actually give us a lot of insight into the first movie. Like they almost kind of recap it. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo is an FBI agent and he's actually in charge of the investigation into the horseman. And they say they robbed a bank in Paris from a stage in Las Vegas. They fleeced an insurance magnet. They showered their fans with money. And then they framed a man for the crime, and that was Thaddeus Bradley. Yeah. So then we see Morgan Freeman in jail, and he gives this speech about how he's going to get his revenge. So we get all that, which is awesome. But then at the FBI, there's like two other agents, and one of them is very suspicious of Mark Ruffalo. They think that he's part of the horseman, and which he is. is. So I think that he's doing a terrible job. I think that. Well, my guess is that that comes out at the end of the first one. Yes. And then For now, sure. Yeah. We can get into our predictions. I like that the boss, the head of the FBI, is played by Sana Lathan, which is really cool. The co-worker, we don't know, but there's foreshadowing. He says he says the line, if you keep playing two people, you're going to end up getting caught. Yeah. But he says it like he doesn't know that he's part of the horseman yet. Yeah, he's just suspicious. I don't know. That was real weird. Um, so the horsemen, I guess, are... are Famous. This is a world, I think, where magicians are the most famous celebrities in the world. Somehow. Well, here's the deal, though. Are they famous because they're magicians or because they're exposing corruption? They're doing a Robin Hood-esque reveal of rich, giving to the poor. It's very now. It's yeah. very Apple is listening. The phone is listening. Um, instead of Apple, though, they use the company Okta. Well, that's a good question. Were they already famous or did they only become famous when they stole all this money and gave it to their fans? I don't know. Oh, I think it's because they're exposing corruption. But here's my... uh, It was sad. The whole time I watched this, I was like, is this what we need? A group of magicians to steal from rich, evil corporations? And And expose them? And expose them? Yeah, I think so. This is definitely what we need. So what's the likelihood we're going to get that? (laughs) I don't know. Look to David Blaine. See what he's up to. (laughs) No, my question is, so all these guys are great at magic. And then they also add, so a big part of this is they add a fourth member, somebody named Lula, uh, played by Lizzie Kaplan. She's going to be the new horseman. But they're all, so it's her, Dave Franco, Woody Harrelson, and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Woody Harrelson's the hypnotist. Jesse Eisenberg is kind of the leader. And then Dave Franco is like a card expert. But they're all great at like sleight of hand and all this stuff. So my question in this movie, were they all great at magic and then somebody came to them and were like... Yes, the I recruited them is what I thought to be the horsemen. And then they're training them to work together as a single organism. So that's kind of Mark Ruffalo's position. It's just weird. Like you just came to a guy at like a children's birthday party and was like... How would you like to basically become a superhero or like secret agent yeah, and I expose think, corporations? I think we might even see that in the first I one. I hope so. And the guy's just like, what? I'm doing hypnotism at the county fair. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, now you are going to be. Because I don't know. It's just weird. They can all fight. 
Like, they're like superheroes, but they do magic. It's real weird. It is kind of a weird mix. There is an allusion to, an allusion, not illusion, <laughs> to a girl named Henley, who must be oh, the first one, who's right. apparently dating Jesse Eisenberg, who plays Daniel Atlas. <laughs> what a name. Is that his stage name or his real name? It's got to be a stage name. A terrible stage name. And then Dylan Rhodes is Mark Ruffalo's character, but his real last name was... He's Lionel Strike's Strike's son. son, Yeah. Um, But he's their leader, but they're kind of questioning his leadership. Also, one of them faked his death for some reason. Dave Dave Franco Franco had faked his death. And he wasn't the only one who faked his death. There's a whole slew of death faking. There's so much death faking. That's why I thought for sure the dad had faked his death. I know. Woody Harrelson's name is Merritt McKinney. Yeah, the names are great. And then Dave is Jack something. Jack Wilder. Jack Wilder. This movie was almost overpacked for me. Oh, totally overpacked. Yeah, it's it it tried to be too clever for its own good. It I tried think. also to be three movies or two and a half movies in one. Yeah. No, it was too much stuff. It was and it like we start in New Jersey in the 80s and then somehow we're in <laughs> Macau in present day. Yeah, so all right. And then Lon- we end in London on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a really complicated plot. But so basically, they think the horsemen think that their next target that the eye has given them is this company called Okta. They're going to release a new phone, and it's going to basically like have they're selling privacy. The phone is going to take all your private information. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> yeah, I don't either, Siri. Get out of our conversation. We're recording a podcast here. That may be beyond my abilities at the moment. Good at the moment. <laughs> but anyway, so they're going to stop this guy. So they have this really cool intro where it almost feels like a heist where they infiltrate this big conference that they're giving. They've all got fake identities and like there's all sorts of cool tricks and sleight of hand. Lots of good sleight of hand. But this is where I'm like, is this magic or hacking or both? It's a combination of both. It's like magic put into like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. But I are it was they really hackers? Cool. There's a lot of interplay with technology. I don't know where you get the hacking part from. I don't think there's any hacking. <laughs> there's a ton of hacking. <laughs> there's no hacking anywhere in the movie. Yes, because they're all playing with technology. <laughs> I guess so. They're turning phones into bananas. <laughs> that was a magic trick. That was the technology. I know, it's real confusing. But so... So at this thing, the Octa, they come out on stage, like this is their big, you know, return to the stage, and they're trying to expose the CEO of Octa um, for being a bad guy. Owen Case. Yeah, they call him a Playboy CEO, they hypnotize him, but then while they're exposing him, they themselves get got. Somebody takes over the screen, they start exposing the horsemen, they show that Jack is still alive, they show that Dylan is the leader, even though he's in the FBI. They get exposed, yeah. So they go to their escape plan. They run up to the roof. They slide down like a tunnel slide. Mm -hmm. So apparently this was their real escape plan was to slide down a tube into Into a truck. truck, But when they wake up, they're in China. Love it. Here's a couple of things in that whole scenario. We find out with Okta that Owen Case is the Playboy CEO. He had a co-founder with him. Walter. Walter. Who died. Mayberry, who died. Was that really his name, Walter Mayberry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. His name is Walter Mayberry. He died, um, faked his own death. 
Uh, we later her, find if out. If anybody is dead in this movie, they probably faked their own death. Except for, I guess the twist at the end would be he that wasn't Dylan's dad is really dead. Um, <laughs> that would have been great if he asked at the end, if he was like, wait, does this mean my father's been alive the whole time? And they were like, no, no he was really dead. Sorry. I did kind of appreciate that. Here, at this moment, when we transition was my favorite part of the whole movie. Where all of a sudden they're in China? No. Oh, oh. Right before that. My favorite part of this whole movie is Woody Harrelson, like you said, he's the hypnotist expert. He hypnotizes Owen Case. Mm -hmm. And then so that way he can transmit what he wants him to say. So instead of like this Steve Jobs on the stage, you get their message. Where basically the CEO is admitting, I'm a hypocrite, I'm power hungry, I'm hacking into your stuff. Yeah, apparently if you hypnotize somebody, you can just control everything they say. Yes, and their powers of hypnotism, I'm going to say are questionable. It's a lot of <laughs> alliteration. <laughs> it's a lot of alliteration, oh, and basically like, you're hypnotized. Yeah. Listen to the flow of my words and sleep. And, well, none of that was alliterative, no. <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> he was like, Betty bought her butt some butter. <laughs> but she said the butter's bitter. Yes, you're under my control. Um, <laughs> but my favorite part is we get everything you said happens. They get exposed. They have to escape. Mark Ruffalo's exposed as the FBI agent. As the FBI is busting in, he gets arrested by his coworkers, but then he gets out of the handcuffs. Blah, all this stuff goes down. They go down the tube to land in the truck, flash to the stage. Everyone's running around. Owen Case, Playboy CEO, is screaming because he's still <laughs> under the control of Woody Harrelson. So as Woody Harrelson's going down the tube, going, ah! You see him on stage going, ah! Still hypnotized. That was great. Did he ever wake up or hypnosis, or was he somewhhere saying all the words that Woody Harrelson said for this the rest of his life? This is a great question. How long they does never, the hypnotism they, last? I don't know. They never go back to that guy. Is it a time frame? Is it within like a vicinity? How does it work? All I know is that little detail was my <laughs> favorite part of this whole movie. That was great. My favorite part actually happens next. So they wake up in China. They reveal it to us by somebody's like, oh, at least we're surrounded by all this Chinese food. And Woody Harrelson's like, here they don't call it Chinese food. They just call it food. Oh, which is followed by maybe my other favorite part of the whole movie, a big reveal. This is what I'm talking about. As Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson has a twin brother. Played by. Himself. Woody Harrelson with a, a wig. In a great wig. With, oh my God, he's so funny. And he's just got... He, he has, like, a, a very different way of speaking. He says he's stuff goofy, like... He's goofy. He's childish. Yeah, he's like he's got a soul patch. He was like, oh, you guys are really yucking my yum. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. There's a scene where they're they're both sitting at the bar, so Woody Harrelson and himself, and they're just, like, ripping on each other, like, making fun yeah. of each other. And he's like, your hair looks like an old man's pubes. And I was like, what? How much fun must that have been to film this scene by himself against himself? I like that this movie, like you said, is full of celebrity reveals. But not just celebrity reveals. Reveals of celebrities as their own twin celebrity <laughs> reveals. Yeah. So then, all right, so they're like, why are we in China? What happened? They go to meet up with the person who brought them there. Merritt's twin brother, Chase, is working for this guy. So he brings the horseman to meet him. And boom, it's fucking Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe himself he play, plays it. Walter Mayberry. So he's Walter Mayberry who faked his death. <sighs> what a reveal. I love it. And he's saying that in a world of total surveillance, the only way to go unseen is to be off the grid. And we have all this interplay of 
you know, sleight of hand. The eye is watching. How do you go unseen? Um, so I think that that's kind of interesting. He's a big proponent of magic versus science. Yeah, he talks about like he. So basically, he's like the scientific genius. He was the original partner in Okta, and then he got forced out of the company by the Playboy CEO. But he had invented, I guess, this like microchip that is like the most powerful microchip ever. It can unencrypt everything and get through every firewall. You know, like whatever, like total movie thing. And it's about the weight of a playing card, which is super convenient. Yeah. So he wants the horsemen to do this job for him. He wants them to steal this microchip from his former company and give it to him. Now and he, they accept the job at first. Well, they accepted the job because Jesse Eisenberg said, yeah, we'll do it. We have the resources. The oldest magic store in the world just so happens to be in Macau. Yeah, he was really excited about that. Also, I thought it was interesting that Daniel Radcliffe, Walter Mayberry... I had a passing interest in magic, too. Like, everyone in this movie well, it, it has interest in yeah. magic. Well, I actually like that, though, because he said, he's like, like all of us who couldn't get laid in high school, I dabbled in magic, <laughs> but then I decided to get into computers instead. Here's where I got lost a little bit. Okay. With the Ocean's eleven part. They're saying Pike, South African, the son of a South African gangster, is coming to town. Mm-hmm. And we need to pose as his team to get into where the microchip is? I guess. I didn't understand why. Was he going to buy it? Was he a potential buyer? I didn't get the pike. There was no need for him except that they had to, like, knock out all his henchmen and pose as the henchmen. I think that this movie is, like, don't pull too hard on a thread like that because I think it all comes apart if you start <gasps> Like quest- a house of cards. <laughs> oh, like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Because there's so much in here that just seems so unnecessary. And it was like unnecessary convoluted a lot of times. So, yeah, I didn't understand. Was he buying it? Was he just looking at it? Because if he's buying it, they never exchanged the money. Also, this is fast forwarding. But the guy who is like the in charge of the microchip. So they break into this facility. This guy who looks a lot like Hitler meets them. Yes. Brings them into the facility. Searches them. He's real scared that like they're going to... Do something wrong. I don't know. He's like the person that's trying to stop them from stealing this microchip. We find out at the end that he's in on the whole thing. And the, so every, what was all that? Everything was orchestrated by the eye. I think this it was, was all like a test. This was a test, like in Dolphin Tale Two, of how <laughs> Morgan, Freeman, Morgan Freeman again gave the watch, and he said the watch is broken. This was to prove that Mark Ruffalo had put aside his vendetta and would be able to successfully lead the Horsemen in the truest of magic. Eye what? for an it's eye. so dumb. It is. So they go in there and they're like, all right, before we go in, we're going to really have to practice our cardistry. Then there's a montage of them training in yeah. flipping cards all around and stuff. So then, so they go in, they do like a distraction, they get this microchip and they like put it with, they have this case that's like a playing card case. They put the microchip into the playing card, the case. playing card, and it's an ace of spades. And then they get searched again, which somehow they knew that they would be searched again. I like again. that they kept searching them. <laughs> so they search them again. So Dave Franco, who got the microchip, he gets searched. And this is actually a really cool scene. He's doing all this really cool sleight of hand. As they're searching him, he's constantly... Passing like, the card hand to hand. Yeah. To, yeah front to, to him, back. To himself. Yeah. So he's got the card in like the back of his hand. And then when they search the back, he flips it to the front. And he flips it behind his head. It's really cool. But then he throws the card... After they're done searching him, he throws the card to another member. Then they do the same thing. Then they throw the card. Then 
A scene that was awesome for a minute goes on for like 10 minutes as they're throwing cards all around. It was unnecessary. It was like the most unnecessarily risky thing ever. They had to count on the cards being stuck to shoes and them sticking it on the backs of the guys searching them and like all this stuff. Why? Why didn't Dave Franco just hold it the whole time? I think what they were trying to set up was that whoever was searching them was going to do a deeper search. So as he went deeper, you pass it to the other one on the superficial search and then get it back to him by the end of the search. Even though I agree, it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it was really dumb. But for a minute, it was awesome. Yes. And I really want to know, did Dave Franco really learn all that like sleight of hand? Because it looked really good. I think he did. I I think he he did. Um, So then they get the card out. Now, while all this is happening... So they framed Morgan Freeman for the crime of the last movie. He's in jail. And they framed him because Mark Ruffalo wanted revenge. He believed that Morgan Freeman was responsible for his dad's death. Yeah, I guess he says he he goaded him into doing the trick. And such a dangerous trick to prove that magic existed. So I also thought that was misplaced. Just because he was a magic debunker doesn't mean that he's responsible for the magic trick going wrong or having him do the magic trick. Yeah. Isn't it every magician's dream to outperform themselves or push themselves to their limit? There's <laughs> a misplaced vendetta that he goes to jail for. Yeah. So he frames him for the crime. I don't know. I really want to see in the first one, too, like, what was the evidence? Like, why did they think that this one man was responsible? I don't Maybe know. they'll find out that the safe had been tinkered with. The lock or something. Oh. Think he did it because he did say it was made out of poor material. So while all this stuff is happening with the horseman in Macau, Dylan Rhodes is now he's out of the FBI and he wants to find out where they are. And so he goes to he gets a call from Morgan Freeman, or he somehow is contacted by Morgan Freeman in jail, and he goes to his jail cell, which. His jail cell has like a laptop and files and a TV. And he's listening to opera and he has an armchair. Yeah, what kind of jail cell is this? I don't know if that's meant to paint him as like a bad guy who has a lot of money. But later we find out that it's probably because... He's the eye or he's like the head of the eye. He is the eye. In truth, Mark Ruffalo's dad... And Morgan Freeman were partners. Yes. So he would act the part of the skeptic and then his dad would be the magician. So they would, you know, he would get publicity. And play off each other. Yeah, play off each other. So it made a lot of sense. But then I I have so many questions. What's the eye? How did he become the head of it? Was he always the head of the eye? I don't think he was always the head of the eye. I think the eye oversees, sees all in the magic world. I think it's kind of like the magic castle. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I don't know. It's just real weird why he would why he would blame Morgan Freeman for his dad's death, especially if they were partners. And then it's real weird because he tells Morgan Freeman, like, why didn't you ever say anything? And I was like, yeah, good question. And Morgan Freeman was just like, I don't know. Maybe right. I was just, you know, there was shame or I was guilty, so I just never said anything. And the time wasn't right. I get it. Meanwhile, before we find all of this out, there's just a lot of stuff that I thought could have been cut or reduced in time. Oh, God, yes. We had to see Mark Ruffalo perform the same stunt his dad performed. He goes into Young's uh, magic shop. We were introduced to Jay Chow 
and his grandmother, his mother, another woman, and everyone speaks Mandarin, so that's great. Yeah, including um, Mark Ruffalo and Morgan Freeman. Yes, and um, they are running this magic shop, but actually, they're also part of the Eye, and there's a better magic shop, which also has all of, like, magicians' tricks throughout history. Yeah, they have, like, stuff from all the famous magicians throughout the Including years. Mark Ruffalo's dad, mm-hmm. Lionel. But then also Dante. <laughs> well, I didn't know Dante was a magician. The great Dante. I don't know. Well, is, you think that's Dante of Dante's Inferno fame? I don't know any Can other do Dante. Magic? Is there another famous magical Dante? Who knows? But yeah, so he, so Mark Ruffalo gets Morgan Freeman out of prison. Then they go to Macau together. Then Morgan Freeman disappears. Then Mark Ruffalo runs into the horseman, who now they kind of don't trust him anymore. He also... There's this huge long fight scene where Mark Ruffalo is fighting like Daniel Radcliffe and all his cronies, but he's doing it with magic tricks. Yes. And uh, then there's a whole other scene where all the four horsemen are going around London and they're each going to do a trick that ends in a finale. Oh, that's the finale. I know, but... There's so much that happens before that part. I'm grouping it all together because from here on out, I didn't care. (laughs) Because it was so mashed together. Yeah, well, there's just too much going on. It's too complicated. There's too many tricks. There's um, too many... Also... It thinks it's way more clever, I think, than it is. Yes. It thinks that being overly intricate is going to be the misdirect or something like that. Then we also get um Lizzie Kaplan's character flirting with Dave Franco earlier in the magic shop. Okay. This is another on top of everything. Every storyline. We have hidden twin brothers. We have fathers and sons. We have <laughs> magic partners. Now they're trying to put a love story shoehorned yeah. hard into this. Very shoehorned. But we get like one line, one flirtatious line. Then at the end there's a big kiss. <laughs> Are we supposed to care? Because from here on out in the movie I don't care. Really? Well, that's a lot of the movie because the I was like maybe an hour in and this is a two hour and ten minute movie. Yeah. No, because there's also, we find out that, so not only is Daniel Radcliffe the former co-founder of Okta, his dad is Michael Caine who was the big insurance magnet from the first one that they ripped off. Yes, so now there's How did also, they never under, uncover that in all their research? I love that there's this personal double vendetta because now Michael Caine, you get one line that Mark Ruffalo yells, it was like you have my mother in the poorhouse! Yeah, so he oh, okay. He was like the head of the insurance company that denied the insurance, insurance claim, claim his mom took out after his dad died. dying during a man so there's a lot of personal vendettas in all this, but they all, but they're also bad people on like a bigger level. It's very convenient. Like, man, I really want to get my revenge against this guy. Luckily, it turns out that one of his sons is like a inventor who invented a microchip that needs totally my help. Evil. Yeah, and is also so evil. Well, I guess evil runs in the family, but. <sighs> it- I loved Michael Caine, though, in that scene where he's like, my mother died in the poorhouse. Without missing a beat, Michael Caine's like, she's just a number to me. Oh, yeah. Just a statistic. Oh, Michael Caine killed it. He was like, I don't even know her. He had a great line where after they, so they put Mark Ruffalo in the safe that his dad died in, like one of the prototypes, throw him like over into the ocean or whatever, think that he's dead. And then Michael Caine gets back in his car and says, I wish I could dredge from the back of my soul one bit of remorse. 
But I can't. Michael Caine also, <laughs> I mean, line. he kills it. He also delivers a line. I have seven children. They're all snot-nosed, spoiled. But the one that takes after me is this illegitimate bastard, meaning Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, meaning Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. And then at the end of the movie... When their plan goes awry, he tries to disown him. He says, look, I slept with so many women. I don't know whose bastard you are. Jeez, Michael Caine. cold. Cold Cold-blooded. All right, so the big finale. So we find out that the owner of Yang's magic shop, the grandmother, her grandson, they're part of the eye. So now, like, the horsemen are like, oh, we need resources. And they're like, oh, great. Now we have all the resources of the eye, who apparently have so many resources, they can build them a fake plane. Like, they now have unlimited resources well, that can happen that's the overnight. Power of magic. The thing that drove me crazy is that when they're in the eye headquarters, I don't know what you would call it, they find out that the whole thing was orchestrated by the eye. The eye knew they would do the airplane stunt. The eye yeah, knew that's they would saying. do There's the There's just too thing. many reveals on top of reveals that, like... It just wasn't clever. Like so so the big finale is that they are in London and each of the horsemen is putting on a show in a different location with a different thing. And then they tell everybody, if you pay attention, we're showing you how we're doing our trick. It just I I think they thought it was so clever, but it really was not that clever. I feel like they're thinking if we explain the trick, it's like the exposure of the corruption. Like, showing what's behind the curtain is what they said. Yeah, I, I thought it was yeah. going to blow my mind. So, one of my favorite movies, also starring Michael Caine, is The Prestige. Yes. And, like, I thought it was going to be like that, where there was going to be some ending reveal where I was going to be like, what? Now i got to, like, think back on everything I've seen. This changes everything. I thought it was going to be a total mindfuck moment. I think that's what they wanted it to be, but it wasn't. So, the first thing they do, Dave Franco's doing a three-card Monty show. Then they have Lula is doing a thing with, like, doves flying out of people's pants and stuff. And then the one that actually was really cool was it's raining and Jesse Eisenberg stops the rain and has it start going upside down. It turns out that he could do that with, like, a rain machine and strobe lights. But then they get caught... And they get like put into a plane and they get thrown out of an airplane. And it seems like they have been caught and everything they planned was forwarded. Exactly. But it turns out, obviously, oh no, this actually was their plan. They planned on getting caught. The airplane that they were being thrown out of was a fake airplane right. that was just like in a box and they did a wind machine. So I was like, okay, what did all the shows around London have to do with anything? Then they put on their show and they're like, oh, this is how we did the trick. The three-card Monty, we used doubles. And we also used the double to drive the truck away. Yeah, to get here. And like we, you know, had the rain machine. That's how we stopped the rain. And we also used the rain machine to make it seem like the plane was flying. Like all the pieces but, come together. But not really. But why did you have to do those tricks around London? Here's the what part. What the fuck did that the, what was the point of that? This, the point that I want to know is the reveal of the trick, how the trick is discovered, is with a shitty bottle of champagne. It's supposed to be a million-dollar bottle of champagne, first of all. Yeah, some, too much for champagne. And somehow they switched it out. And what do you think they were drinking? I don't know. You think you seem to think it was piss water. I think I think they pissed <laughs> in the bottle. Um, but they were drinking bad champagne. And. And then he peels off the label to expose the Joker card. I thought it was so anticlimactic. 
Yes. When they... So the walls come down. They're in a plane in the middle of the Thames on a barge. And I was like, oh, that's it? And then they're like, yeah, they just like show here's how we did the trick. But you could have just shown us that without these pop-up magic shows around London. The way it was set up, you knew nothing was going to be a surprise. Because you knew they were setting up trick upon trick upon trick. I don't know. It was too many. Like, three-card Monty is, like, a good example. So it only works if you if you can follow the the cup and you think you know which cup has the ball. And then when they pull it and the ball's not there, you're like, whoa, cool. Yeah. This movie was like, well, I don't even know where the fuck the ball's supposed to be. So if you show yeah. me it's not under this cup, well, I I'm don't give surprised. a shit. I lost track of this ball <laughs> an hour ago. You know what's really funny? This all being said... I still like this movie. Oh, I had a lot. Yeah, I liked it too. I had a lot of fun with it. Even though the last half I said I didn't care, it was more about the intricacies of the plot. I still had a lot of fun watching it. I liked all the celebrities. I love a movie about magic. I still liked it. Yeah, I did too. But, it, but I, here's my problem. I, I liked it, but I don't think I would ever watch it again. Right. And I think it could have been great. I was really in at the beginning. I thought when they were doing that kind of heist or whatever, when they were breaking into the Octa show, I thought some of that stuff was so cool. Like Jesse Eisenberg had a tray of sushi that he flipped into a briefcase and like yeah. everybody had fake badges and like there was this really clever thing where they made it seem like some guy was a mental patient and they switched out his phone for a banana so he looked crazy. Oh, uh, that was great. I think that's what was cool about the premise was imagine a heist movie and instead of all the skills that the heisters come with, they're using illusion. They're yeah. using magic. Like that stuff and then that playing card scene when it was just, you know, the first minute of it with all the sleight of hand. Yeah. The stuff like that was so cool. But I just felt like it was just overly complicated, mm-hmm. unnecessarily convoluted, and a little too long. I think yeah. they could have cut like 20 minutes out of it. And then, yeah, so then the whole ending, it's revealed Morgan Freeman's the head of the eye, and now he's turning over the eye to Mark Ruffalo, and everybody was in on it. Everything was a setup to just prove that Mark Ruffalo was, was worthy. worthy. I, so I'm that telling was just you, dumb. I think this is Morgan Freeman's new role is he appears in every sequel <laughs> to give the kid... The watch or hand over the to say you had it in you all along. But so he really went to prison for all that though. Like well, how long was he in prison? He even said though a year a, and a half. It was a nice prison. It was a nice cell, but he's still in prison. I mean, I think he was operating under different terms. Still, I, that seems like way too far to go to just make sure a guy's going to be a good leader of a group of magicians. The, not just any group of magicians. <laughs> the horsemen. Oh, my God. All right. right, Should we get into our predictions? Yes. I feel like, actually, we are set up really nicely. What do you think is going to happen? Okay. I think that the first one, we're going to be introduced to the horseman. Yes. It's going to be Jesse Eisenberg, Dave Franco, Woody Harrelson, and the fourth person. What was her name? Do you think it was that girl? Henley or whatever? Yeah. Was that it? So, I think we're going to be introduced to them. I think at first, we're just going to think that they are um, a group of magicians, but we're going to see early on them kind of operating. I think we're going to see them expose some kind of corporation. It's not going to be the insurance. That's going to be right. the, the longer plot. But there's going to be some kind of introduction so we see what they do and what they're about. Then I think we're going to parallel to them. We're going to see the FBI investigation, which is going to be led by Mark Ruffalo. Yes. So we're not going to know if he's the leader. Yes. We're going to think he's investigating them. Maybe those other two FBI agents are also in on it, but he's going to be kind of explaining to the FBI what 
he thinks the horsemen are, and that's how we're going to learn about them. Like, we think that they're the world's most famous magicians. They have their own stage show in Las Vegas, but really they are thieves or like whatever the fuck they are. We're going to be following all that. And then I think it's all going to lead up to this bank robbery in Paris that they're somehow going to do while they're on stage in Las Vegas. So they have an alibi. They're going to steal all the money from Michael Caine. They're going to give out money to the fans and they're going to frame um, Morgan Freeman for it. And then at the very end, I think it's going to be a big reveal. Oh, they're, I think they're probably going to be talking to this mysterious leader the whole time. And then it's going to be, boom, it's actually Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Okay, I agree. And I think it's going to be solidly done. I think we are going to... I agree with almost everything you said. I think we're going to see a recruiting scene, too. That would be good. I would love that, where we get to see all of them being put together. Like, maybe at their menial jobs. Maybe, like you said, at a kid's party. That would be awesome. And then they get recruited. Because that's, like, my favorite part of Ocean's Eleven. Yes. how they recruit everybody into the crew. That then, would be awesome to Then see. maybe they do a stage show. Then maybe we find out they start getting trained for heisting. Um, I just want to go down the line and see who... Who do you think is going to be in it? Morgan Freeman. Yes. Jesse Eisenberg. Yes. Dave Franco. Yes. Woody Harrelson. Yes. His sure. twin. No. Good. But I think he will mention yeah. it. I think he'll say, because he, he talks You do? Because he talks a lot about in this one, this is like, you stole all my money and ruined me or something. Yeah. So I think he'll make a reference to my brother that stole all my money. Um, Sana Lathan. I, I think, don't know. I think yes. Maybe. She doesn't I, have much to do in this one. I, that's why I think she has to be in the first one more. Okay. Do you think Daniel Radcliffe? No. No, definitely not. Do you think... Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Yes. Um, I think there will be one other, like, surprise big celebrity. Yeah, like, who plays Henley? Do you think she's a famous actress? Well, that's a good question. Yes, I think she'll be somebody recognizable. I don't know about famous. Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe it'll be like Scarlett Johansson or something. I don't know. But I think there'll be another person. In addition to that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know necessarily what role they're going to play. Maybe like the head of the FBI. Maybe a rival magician. Maybe somebody who's like second in command at the insurance company who is trying to stop them. There'll be one other big celebrity. I don't know when this movie came out because I wanted to say somebody like Alan Rickman. Oh. But I'm not sure if he'd already passed away by the time this movie came out. But maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody from Paddington. Oh. Seems to be a lot of crossover. There's a lot of crossover with a lot, I feel. Yeah, because wasn't Sonya Latham in um, Alien vs. Predator? Right. And then we get um, all of the comparisons here to Black Magic, Science vs. Magic. The Dolphin Tale 2, mm-hmm. similar ending. Yeah. All these movies, maybe that's the greatest trick of all, is we <laughs> weave all these sequels together, and they're just they, part of one patchwork. Yeah, they fit perfectly. But I think you're right on the money with the overarching plot. It's just those little details to see what we're going to find. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I think I think it's gonna, this, I think the first one will be less complicated. I, I think, think it so will too. be about just the plot. But I think it's going to be, we're going to be real confused. How are they going to pull this off? And then they're going to show us kind of like in this one, like, how did we do it? There's going to be people getting hypnotized. There's going to be a lot of cardistry. Do you think... Um, there'll be allusions to Okta Corporation. No, I think that was just for this one. Do you think they'll end up in Macau? 
No, I think this one will take because the sequel always goes to right? a London place, or London Macau. or Las Vegas, and they say Macau is the Las Vegas of China. So this is fitting right in with the sequel themes. <laughs> so I think I'm safe in my predictions for the first one. It'll be less complicated, just about this one heist, and I think there will be more of a feeling of oh, cool at the end. Like what I want from these kind of movies is at the end. There to be a twist and me to be like, whoa! I didn't see twist. that coming. But it all makes sense. It, I can piece back and be like, oh, that's why that happened. And okay, I get it. If you don't have that, if you can't go back and think of a movie and be like, oh yeah, that's why nobody was responding to Bruce Willis and Sixth Sense or whatever. Yes. You don't get that same feeling of oh, cool. Like I figured it out. Like I was surprised, but I get it. I don't think this had that, but I think the first one will. All right. Anything else? No, that sounds good. All right, cool. I'm excited to watch the first one. I think the first one's going to be a good one if we take out a little bit of this elaborate thing. Yeah. Oh, I Lizzie Kaplan. She's a new addition. No, yeah, she's definitely the new addition. So it'll be interesting to see who makes the cut. Yeah. And what happens next time in Now You See Me. As always, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ellie. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Reverse sequels.